Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I'm joined as usual by our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow. Hey! Esri Clow. She got nothing to say, though. Zaki Hassan. Hi. And Cicero Holmes. Uh, I can't touch anything because I just got out of, a, out of a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> oh, yes. And that is the topic of the day. So we are coming at you one week after recording our Picard season one recap episode to talk about how the first two episodes of the new new Star Trek series an animated offering Star Trek Lower Decks has landed with us. And this should be a pretty interesting conversation, I think, because I think it's pretty safe to say that Lower Decks is one of the single most unique entries in the entirety of the franchise's history. And it's very different. Um, and we kind of got that impression when they, when they first announced the show, it seemed like they were trying to go for kind of the same kind of, uh, comedic mentality is shows like i don't know the seth MacFarlane kind of animated shows like family guy or, or american dad or bob's burgers but placing it in the star trek universe and um i gotta tell you guys it seems like the response that i've seen has been a bit tepid like there are people who seem to really really like what the show is going for but then there are others, frankly, some surprising instances of, uh, of dislike that I've seen from some members of the fan community where they were really just not into it. And I think it kind of gets back to something that we all talked about last week. Uh, what, what kind of uh, different types of exploitations uh, is the Star Trek universe capable of having? And Lower Decks really is kind of a stress test. For that concept. But before we actually jump into our discussion of the first two episodes, uh, let's check in with everybody and see how everybody's doing. Cicero, you have jumped over into a recording of our podcast from changing someone's life. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I didn't change just one person's life. Yes, let's live short. Yes, I, give it the I, full. I, I changed two people's lives and, and, and in the essence, actually I changed an entire two families lives when I joined one family and another family into one large family in marriage today. Um, shout out to, to my friends whom I've married today. And uh, they are off enjoying their honeymoon in uh, beautiful Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Ah, yeah, very nice. Um, so yeah, I uh, yeah I performed a wedding uh, today. Um, it was a beautiful time, and uh, people seemed to uh, very much enjoy the things that I had to say. Tears were shed. There was there were there were laughs, there were cries, there were chills, there were oohs, ahs, ran the gamut of emotions. Beautiful. Thank you. And, Thank you. And uh, how how does that work exactly? I mean, the the fact that there is a wedding taking place in the midst of all this craziness. Uh, what was the actual mechanism like for you to participate in this? So we were uh, we were outdoors. Uh, we were um, 
in a giant field where everyone was able to to be socially distant um and uh I was not wearing a mask so that I could project and people could hear me um but uh yeah I mean we were we were still able to uh to observe both social distancing and uh safely uh allow them to um commit the legal right of marriage together and then um we we did break the social distancing rules for the pictures um but then but then when we got you know when everyone separated we all wore masks and and we we tried to remain uh as conscious and and vigilant as we possibly could uh with with everything that is going on in the world sure very understandable well uh that's that's it's terrific that you were able to facilitate that for for two people, especially that they could find light right now. I wish we could go back in time and have you marry us. That would have uh, been. Hey, uh, thank you, man. I can always renew your vows. There you go. Hey, we'll have to we'll have to revisit this yeah, yeah, in yeah. a few years, huh? Right what do you think? Why do we have to renew our vows? <laughs> so we could have Cicero do it. That's <laughs> okay. the, the only reason why we. Have yeah, it. we oh. could. Yeah, we could. We could. Do it in high Vulcan. There you go. <laughs> Multicolored robes. Yeah. <laughs> in the shadow of Mount Selena. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yes. Well, uh, well, that's great, man. I'm, I'm glad that you, you were able to do that. Thank you. Zachy, and, and, you? Oh, oh, and I also, uh, I, I watched uh, Farpoint last night. Oh so, really? yeah, yes, yes. I'm 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 starting my uh my TNG rewatch all over again with Farpoint. Now, did you start it before, or is this something that you're going full bore into? Oh well, so yeah, so I am I am going back to my reverse broadcast order rewatch of the Star Trek series. So where I left off was with TNG. I mm-hmm. had seen I'd seen Farpoint you know, a dozen times already. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I'm going back and, and I'm watching it and I'm going, uh, you know, full speed ahead now with, uh, that's where I am in the quarantine is back into, (laughs) back into my, uh, my TNG rewatch, my Star Trek rewatch. It all leads back home. And, uh, before I, I hand it back over to Zachy, how did the episode strike you this time? You know, what, what's funny is, is knowing these characters, you know, knowing where they end up, uh, you know, and, um, but by, you know, by the time we get to all good things, but like knowing where they end up, it's really interesting to see where those characters began. Um, you know, the ones that, that stuck around, um, the most, the most peculiar probably, well, the two peculiar ones are data, because I think they still didn't have an understanding of who they wanted data to be. And Brent Spiner really didn't have a, a sense of who that character was at that, you know, in, in the pilot. Um, but also Riker, um, Riker was, was very, very regimented in, in yeah, the pilot. Straight, straight laced. You yes. Might yeah. And, um, it's it, that is a very very strong departure from the character that he becomes. Um, so I mean, it's almost like they rewrote the character. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, getting getting that nautical beard in season two might have had something to do with that, too. Yeah, but uh, yeah. no, it's an, well, you'll have to keep sharing your observations with us, especially as you go through what is probably TNG's strangest season. Uh, yeah. Season one. When you, and and uh, Shades of Grey season two, right? It's the end of season two. We might have to yeah. talk about yeah. Shades of Grey. Not that right. bad. Right. Yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We still right, have to yeah. do that episode. Maybe when you get to Shades of Grey, we'll do that. Right on. Uh, Zachy, my friend, how have you been doing? Who did you marry this weekend? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I've come up short in that department. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know that that in most things, I just uh, I aspire to be Cicero one day. So oh. <laughs> one more thing to add to my to my Cicero list. <laughs> <laughs> Sister of checklist. Right. We, we all have it. We all have it. <laughs> and how have you been otherwise? Uh what have you been up to over the last week or so? You know, this was my this was my one week of summer vacation. So I've just been trying to savor it. It's so weird because I've been teaching from my home, you know, since March and I've just been teaching nonstop and it's weird how spring, uh, just sort of melded into summer. So I, it's like, I haven't had a, it hasn't felt like summer, you know, even when I teach summer class, it feels like I'm in summer. And so I had this one week and I had to do my grading and then, uh, fall classes start on Wednesday. So I'm just like, Oh, okay. So, so no summer break for me this year. (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Well, uh, and and what's the plan at uh, at your institution in terms of uh, of online classes versus in person classes? So I I teach at at four different schools currently, and they they are all uh, online only for this semester for sure, and they're saying to anticipate being online in the spring. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That's quite an adjustment. It has to be really disorienting for, gosh, for everybody. It, it is, but, and but I want to be clear. You know, it's I. It's like, given the real like uncertainty that surrounds so many people's lives. I mean, me being a, being like, I'm teaching from home, but I'm still working like that. You know what I mean? On the list of complaints, that's like pretty low. So I want, I want, I'm not in any way minimizing the very real uncertainty that has sort of enshrouded a lot of people out there. You know, people who are having to go out and work amidst people, that's terrifying. And then people whose jobs have just disappeared. That's equally terrifying in a different way. So absolutely, uh, big, big picture. I can't complain too much, you know? No, I think um, everybody on this panel really has been very, very fortunate, but that does not take away from the the empathy and understanding that I think all of us want to have for everybody who's in a difficult situation. Uh, the, these are pretty unprecedented times, at least if you look past over the last century. Right. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully if, if you're going through a tough time and you come to this show, I hope we can, we can help ease some of the burden just a little bit by talking about a world that we all love. Uh, that's, that's the continuing hope for, for debrief as for the cloud clan. Um, we are in the process of planning for a cross country move. We're returning back home to, uh, to Washington state where we moved over here seven years ago so that, uh, Rachel could finish her PhD program. Time's about up on that even though it still seems like it's kind of far away in some places, right? Oh, I don't know. The, uh, the end of writing your dissertation is 
not great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not great. And, you know, doing it with a three month old baby that you're also taking care of full time is uh, not great. (laughs) And uh, when you can't go out of your house, is not great. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sensing a theme here. Although we do, uh, we do go for walks around the neighborhood, me sure. and the baby, um, so she gets to see things uh, that are not just the walls of the apartment. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is funny. The sun shines in her eyes, and she makes a little face like, "Ah, ah the yeah. sun." <laughs> bright, light, bright light. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Um, but yeah, but plugging along. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, uh, like I can't complain, right? Because yeah, things could be worse. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, is planning for a move is it's it's weird because apparently this is also an unusually busy moving season which i would not have thought but uh that appears to be the case uh so you know fingers crossed that things will continue to fall into place where they need to but we do have our place of uh our, our future residence sorted out so that takes a fair amount of um uncertainty out of the equation and uh we feel very fortunate in that regard, but let's um, let's jump in here. So we've got a very interesting couple of episodes to talk about, and we're planning on sort of doubling up our discussions for Lower Decks since each show is only a half hour long. So uh, let's start with talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2, respectively titled Second Contact and Envoys. So let's start with a little bit of a just a conceptual uh, conversation concerning what this show is and what it's going for because it's um, it's different when it comes to Star Trek. I mean, humor has always been a component of, of Star Trek's best incarnations in one way or another, but it's never been the key core component. And um, the the creators of this show are, are definitely taking that approach. Uh, so, Zachy, let's throw it to you first. Um, in terms of your absorption of Star Trek and the intent of Lower Decks as you've sort of uh, explored it so far, how is it landing with you? I'm, I've been enjoying it. Uh, you know, uh, I'll be honest, until you mentioned uh, at the top that uh, the, the reaction has been sort of muted. I had no idea. Maybe that's just something about the, the bubble that I'm in. I just well, I let, like, me, yeah. let me quali- let me qualify that. I follow a lot of like hardcore Star Trek fans on Twitter, okay. and some of those are. I don't I don't follow these people, but because I have such a, a pretty Star Trek concentration in my feed, sure. Sometimes the anti Kurtzman crowd gets back to me, uh, uh, even if I try to close myself off from them. <laughs> but so that might be weeding its way to me. But there's at least one dissident that i'll mention uh in a little bit but i'm sorry please continue uh no i i've i've enjoyed it i mean uh you know the two episodes so far i've i've chuckled a lot there's a few times i've laughed out loud i really i like i like that it's not making fun of star trek it's having fun in star trek and so to me uh 
tonally. I mean, I, I don't think it's that far removed from the comedy episodes of Star Trek that there have been, you know, I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think a universe that, that encompasses uh, a piece of the action or the, you know, that deep space nine baseball episode can include the lower decks. Why the heck not? You know, it's clear the person, the people making this are, are fans. I mean, they're not, uh, you know, uh, they're not trying to poke holes in it. They're trying to kind of uh, give the franchise a little, you know, uh, a playful elbow in the midsection, you know, like elbow in the sides. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I can, I can definitely see that perspective. Uh, Cicero, how has it been landing with you thus far in these first two? So um, watching the first episode, second contact, uh, I picked up on one thing and that was, this show is dumb. Um, it's, it's really, really dumb. And, and you know what? It's supposed to be dumb. And, and like, once I, once I understood that, I got it. Like, and, and, you know, that's, that's the thing. I'm actually, I'm on IMDb right now. And, and, uh, the show is, is not landing with a lot of fans right now. It's, or at least on IMDb, if, you know, IMDb is a, a, uh, a, a great barometer for, for ratings. It's 5.4 out of 10, which I, I definitely would, I would bring it in the sevens, you know, uh, based on the, based on the first two episodes. Uh, so the, so the creator of the show is also the creator of Rick and Morty, which is not a show that I watch, but I know a lot of people are, you know, very, very big fans of, of Rick and Morty, which in and of itself is a parody of, uh, you know, back to the future um, and, and doc and Marty. And uh, so um, this show is what the thing that I really, by the time I got through the first episode, the thing that I really appreciated, you know, cause I was sitting and I was like, wow, this is, this is really weird. And they're doing all sorts of very, very silly things. This is dumb. Um, but by the end of the, by the end of the episode, I was like, wow, they were able to sneak in a very Star Trek, scenario like the b plot was a very very good star trek a plot and they were able to solve it in a half an hour this whole you know the the zombie outbreak thing like that's a very very you know season four middle you know episode 13 before or after some epic two-parter type of episode and and they were able to do that in 30 minutes and that was fantastic and the other thing that that I really appreciated about the first episode particularly was second contact right yeah. we yeah. we 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 see first contacts we know about first contacts first contacts are the thing but second contact is, is you know second contact is like uh you know there was a there was this big push for um in in comics to talk about, you know, both DC and Marvel did it. And I think DC actually made a television show that was short-lived um, about the regular people that come in and clean up after the superheroes come and defeat the villain. But they've done all this, you know, they've done all this damage, structural damage to the city. And, the you know, they've got these guys that'll come in and, and do the work. Uh, to to rebuild the city and stuff like that. Right. Damage and, control. Know, damage control. Exactly. Damage control in Marvel, and I forget what they were called in in DC, but uh, but 
second contact made me think of like the second contact people are the damage control people for Starfleet. Um, and I, you know, and, and I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's what a great idea. And that in and of itself is another great Star Trek idea that you won't, you won't see on discovery on a main show because the main show, those are heroes. Those are capital H heroes. Um, and you, you don't see that in, in, in those kinds of shows. So you get to see it in lower decks. The other thing, and I'm sorry, I'm going really long on this, but the other thing that I really love about lower decks and about this, um, particular offshoot of star Trek is that one of the reasons that I think the Mandalorian sat really well with, with uh, viewers and star Wars fans and rogue one sat really well with star Wars fans is that the universe has been built. It's been established and we spent all of our time checking out the heroes, the doers, right? The people that are written in the history books, but we don't need those stories all the time. We don't need the story about the capital H hero We've got this rich, rich tapestry, um, this universe that has been built. And in the case of, of Star Trek, it's 60 years old. And there's so much space in that universe that we can we can pop in on at any moment and see what regular folks are doing. One of the great things about Picard was the fact that we got to see non-Starfleet people out in space doing things and seeing what regular people do. And and uh, Lower Decks is doing that for the non-officers, the NCOs, uh, or not even the NCOs, the, the, the NCs without the O. Um, so, like, being able to see that and, and, and exist within within the Star Trek universe without being a hero is kind of awesome. And I like that they've, they've taken that space. Sure. Yeah. I think that that's very well expressed as usual. Uh, so thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Rachel, Lower Decks, how have the first two episodes landed so far? I really like them. It really surprised me to hear that a lot of people didn't. Well, I, how representative is the very, very vocal? It's hard to tell, especially now. Well, but. I don't know. Like you characterized it as maybe like a lukewarm reception, but I, I thought it was great. Um, I guess I'm not surprised to hear that it's by the Rick and Morty creators. Mm-hmm. I, now that you know, after Cicero said that, I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like that's why the tone kind of felt familiar. Mm-hmm. Um. I yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. Um, I think it's it's funny, and I like the sort of comedy in the familiar surroundings of the TNG era, mm-hmm. um, with all the little references. It's really um, comforting and nice to me, and so uh, I think it's great, especially for these times, to just relax. Right. Yeah, sure. doesn't need to be uh, stilted or, um, I I guess, uh, self-important, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, I, I have a lot of really kind of, oh, Oh, please. Yes. Feel free. Say something bad about Lord Dex. I'm no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything bad. It's just that when, when I watched this show, like it had, it gave me a very, very good first impression. Like I love the opening sequence. Okay. The opening sequence 
is laugh out loud funny to me because it's a twist on those familiar hero shots that we're so familiar with from the introduction of every Star Trek TV show, save for Picard, really. And um, I loved how it took that concept and made quite a few pretty solid jokes out of it. I really liked it. I guess the the instances that – and it's not even that I think that they're bad as much as it just doesn't connect as much with me is um, sort of the really, really isolated uh, moments where it tries to be funny absent of the setting that it's in. Like in episode two when she's putting the blast shield up and down, the blast shield, the blast shield. Uh, that, stuff like that doesn't really get me very effectively, but – making jokes about like why all Klingon names sound the same and uh, seeing a Klingon general puking the blood from blood wine because <laughs> he's too hammered. That's the stuff that I really like. And, um, and, and it gets back to, to that, that core theme once again, of like what, what can constitute quote unquote true Star Trek and, based on some of the voices that I've been exposed to, there are people who don't think that lower decks uh, can be uh, Star Trek. And I don't agree with that. Uh, it, it definitely takes some getting used to in this kind of an environment, but um, I definitely identify DNA of the franchise and the world that I love here. And Cicero, you're right. It gives additional context to what, life in Starfleet is like at another level, very much like the TNG episode of the same name did. Um, And that's the, that's the stuff that I like. So if the next several episodes of the first season sort of stick with this uh, universe referential humor and making light of uh, sometimes the goofiness that Star Trek can fall into, uh, just because of the trappings of the world that it has created. I like that stuff a lot. Uh, I like the cast. The characters are being built up pretty effectively from where I'm standing. I like the the core conceit of that first episode um, when it comes to the main character and her parents. I thought that that was really interesting to explore. Uh, and there's room to get a little bit deeper if the creators want to. And you see shadows of that in every episode. I don't think you're going to see a focus of it in any of them, but shadows, that, that's enough for me, considering that this is a comedy show. So uh, yeah, overall, I, I like it. I wasn't really excited for it, but um, I went in pretty intrigued by what I was seeing and I'm looking forward to what's next. So wait a minute, Chris, hold on yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so are, are you saying that there was a new Star Trek that premiered and old Star Trek fans said, this is not my Star Trek. <laughs> what I mean, course, that's, what that's never happened before. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember uh, in 2001, something similar <laughs> happening. And now it's part of the gospel. Right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I seem to remember and it was at 1989. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there were there seemed to be quite a few people, um, yeah. you know. And then, yeah. and then again in ninety in ninety two, and then again in you know, ninety five, right? Yeah. And uh, right, actually, when twenty eighteen, twenty seventeen, right? Is there a recurring pattern here? Right. 
Well, and and granted, you know, the conversation as it specifically pertains to this show, uh, I feel like it's only a little more valid just because it is actively trying to play with what is expected from a Star Trek TV series. And and you know what? Like 10,000 foot view, you could say that about every single show after TOS. I mean, you could say that about TOS even um, because it subverted all the expectations of what, you know, a show at that time should be, you know, I mean, it had a multicultural uh, cast for crying out loud Um, where, you know, they had a, they had a Japanese guy on the bridge. They had a Russian dude, a Soviet dude on the bridge. They had a black woman on the bridge, some half alien dude on, you know? So like all of those things at, at, at every time, at every point, Star Trek goes in and they subvert your expectations. Um, Because basically what, what, they're saying is your expectations are crap. Um, and, and, you know, and like to, to a degree, they're correct. Like, you don't know what you like. We know what you like and shut up and watch it. And eventually you'll like it. And, and, you know, and that, that's kind of how it's worked historically with Star Trek, especially. Sure. Well, and I'm reminded to when we all got together to talk about the last Jedi of all things, uh, you know, we talked about change as a constant, how change is sort of built into the DNA of Star Trek and uh, how it ne- by necessity reinvents itself with every new iteration because the world that it broadcasts in changes from series to series. And um, I-, I guess in this moment, it's more unique because we have so many series going on at the same time, which is unprecedented in uh, in the franchise's history. I mean... At most in the 90s, there were two series on at any given time. And now, you know, we're going to have trade-offs of three or four. And that's pretty wild. Um, But at the same time, too, you know, what can constitute Star Trek? Does this, does the comedic aim of this show disqualify it from being quote-unquote true Star Trek? My immediate answer to that is no. um, But it also is dependent on the kinds of... uh, stories that we get in the future. And if the show is just trying to be funny, that's great, but I will hope that it goes for something in addition to that, if that makes sense, you know, and I'm getting that for the first couple of episodes. I want to make clear I'm getting that because of what it's exploring with the characters. I don't want to be a hater. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about each episode specifically. So the first one is called second contact. And a quick and dirty uh, summary, Ensign Devon Attendi arrives on the USS Cerados and is given a tour by Ensigns Brad Boimler and Beckett Mariner. Boimler is asked by Captain Carol Freeman to report on any breaches of protocol made by Mariner. On mission, Boimler catches Mariner giving equipment to local farmers. The pair are attacked by a farm animal, which destroys Boimler's uniform and covers him in slime. Meanwhile, Commander Jack Ransom unknowingly carries an alien virus from the planet's surface to the Cerados, and it quickly infects much of the crew. And since Sam Rutherford is on a date with Ensign Barnes, they fight off infected crew members, but Rutherford loses interest because Barnes is not interested in the Cerados' mechanics. Chief Medical Officer Tiana uses the slime on Boimler to synthesize an antidote, receiving praise from Freeman. 
Boimler chooses not to report Mariner to the chagrin of Freeman, who is Mariner's mother and was looking for a reason to have her removed from the ship. Mariner thanks Boimler and decides to mentor him towards becoming a captain. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Ensign Esri. Um, so even just reading that really sort of brief, quick and dirty recap to me, it sounds like a Star Trek show. It's when you get into the specifics of the, the brand of humor that it's exploring. But Zachy, go a little deeper for me on what it was like for you to watch that first episode. Um, were you pretty well open to the kind of experience that the show is going to take you on? And uh, in terms of your expectations, how did the first episode land specifically? Uh, I, I was open because, I mean, as soon as you say, oh, it's from the makers of Rick and Morty, you have, you know, you've sort of established the boundaries of, of what it'll likely be. And then I had read enough stuff about it that said, you know, this is, uh, it's, you know, quote unquote canon. It's not, it's meant to exist within the Star Trek that we know. So uh, I, I had no problem buying it for what it was. And, you know, I, I've heard some critiques of, uh, uh, you know, the, the voice actors sounding very sort of hyperactive or whatever, and that sort of taking you out of it. And I, I don't know, maybe I, I mean, I, you know, you watch enough, show like adult animated shows that you kind of you get the rhythms of it and i'm like okay well this th- this is doing that sure. uh, you know but i found it i found it very fun uh i i like that it exists in a in a familiar tng uh milieu that that was appealing to me and and uh, you know it's it's still about uh, Starfleet. It's still Starfleet being Starfleet. I mean, you know, th- in that sense, arguably, this is truer to the Star Trek ethos than uh, Picard, right? Hmm. Uh, it's not a critique of Picard, but I mean, you know, like uh, I, I think when people attack these things, it's like, oh, this isn't right because of this, that, and the other thing. I'm, 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 I'm not saying they're wrong. Cause it's like whatever you like, what you like. But I'm also like, look, I mean this is a big playground, you know, there's, there's room for all kinds of stories in it. We've never done this. Let's, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. And, and if people don't like it, it's like, well, uh, you know, there, you know, my, my, my cliche by now, there's plenty of ice cream for you. You know, there's plenty of other flavors. Well, and when it comes to, to a playground, right, there's, there's not just a slide on the playground. There's right. Right. Yeah. Him and there's, I don't know that teeter totter and thing that, right, that, that, yeah. in like a dome shape. I don't even yeah, know. The, the <laughs> giant, the oh, that giant rocket, the giant rocket ship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just want to get on the, the jungle gym and sometimes you want to just straight slide straight down. So yeah, I, I totally get that. Uh, Rachel episode one. Um, what was the first watching experience like for you? I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I wasn't paying attention to what it was going to be like. And then you weren't like super enthused about it. So I was kind of like wary <laughs> because I, you know, I knew it was coming out. I was like, Hey Chris, do you want to watch it? And I was on your lunch break and you were like, eh, <laughs> well, I was planning we watch on watching it. it that day. I mean, but... like, you were like, we can watch it tonight or we can watch it now. Like it doesn't matter to me. And right. I'm like, Oh, Okay, this is weird for you. Um, so, so I was worried, but I was like very pleasantly surprised. I think that's part of why I enjoyed it so much was that I kind of wasn't, I didn't have any expectations built up in my mind, and so mm-hmm. um, I really liked it. Um, thought it was funny. I laughed. Um, I really like the the TNG font for the um, 
the credits and stuff. Uh, I just, you know, I'm like, mm, that's a that's a good font. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, that like the more serious kind of stuff with Mariner and her family. And, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, that I wasn't really expecting that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I just like, yeah, I really laughed at the. Uh, where she's like, they probably milk it, like the spider thing, <laughs> yeah. and then um, like, ah, ha, ha. and then they're like, we milk it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's just gumming him for moisture. <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, it had kind of Men in Black vibes. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. Where, yeah. Where Jay is dealing with the the the, the, new the pregnant. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, which I love. I mean, I, I I like those movies a lot in general. I even like the second one. A lot of people really. Wow. I, yeah, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of the second one. When, when was the last time you saw it? Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. All I'm saying is maybe just uh, for f- for you, sir. I will give it a rewatch <laughs> if I can find it. I will not pay money for it, but but I'll, I'll give you my voodoo password. It's on there. Oh, okay. Right on. All right. There you go. They were good. Uh, but how about you, Cicero? Episode one, uh, specifically, what will line it up? You know, what were your expectations going in? And then how did you feel on the other side of the first one? Um, so, you know, my expectations going in was that, I, you know, that I knew it was going to be a comedy again. I, you know, I not uh, I have very, very little uh, contact with uh, the Rick and Morty franchise. I think I may have seen one or two episodes. Um, so, you know, it was, was not going in with that, that set of, uh, expectations. Um, it, it, it had to work on me and it, you know, but it, it took the episode for it to work on me, um, because it was, it was very silly, you know, right off the bat, we've, we've got our, you know, our, our, uh, our baby face protagonist, uh, doing, doing his own version of his captain's log in, in a storage closet. Um, and then he gets interrupted and then they wind up, winds up getting his leg sliced with a bat left, uh, because they're, you know, they're playing around and they're doing stuff and it's, you know, it's just all really, really silly. And, um, but what I was, so I guess my fear was that this was going to be a Star Trek show that made fun of Star Trek. Um, sure. And, and it, it didn't make jokes about Star Trek at Star Trek's expense, but they made Star Trek jokes. Hmm. And, and like, and that, like, that's a, it's a really goofy tango, you know, it's a, it's a weird dance. It's the Lombada of, uh, of, of like, you know, traits that you have to, and, you know, fine line to walk, but they walked it. Uh, and, you know, and when I was done with the episode, I, I came away saying, well, you know, I don't know if I laughed. I definitely did giggle at some things. There were certain, certain things that I chuckled at. Um, there may have been some things that I laughed at loud, out loud at, um, but it definitely won me over because I felt like it was Star Trek. Like I felt like that was a Trek scenario. Um, and so I felt a lot more comfortable with the series because I understood, uh, inherently that these guys love the series as well. Mm -hmm. And their particular set of skills are we make 
animated, you know, we make zany animated shows that are, you know, or uh, TV PG 13 or, or, you know, TVM style uh, uh, animated shows. Um, and we are doing that for Star Trek. Uh, and like, I didn't know that, you know, I'm not at the point where I'm saying where I didn't know that I, I needed this in my life and I'm happy that it's there, but it is in my life now and I'm happy that it's there. Um, so, you know, like there hasn't been an episode yet in the first two where I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. You know, this show stands, stands alone amongst all of these other shows. If you didn't like Star Trek before, you can watch this and, and you'll get a sense of Trek and you'll start to appreciate it. And that hasn't happened yet, but there's only two episodes. Sure. Yeah. Very understandable. Well, I mean, I feel very similarly, if I can speak similarly to you in the sense that, yes, I was actively concerned that it was going to make fun of Star Trek and that didn't end up being the case. So that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, And really, as I kind of alluded to before, the characters also um, made for a pretty pleasant surprise, too. Uh, And I liked kind of what you alluded to at the top of the show, Cicero, this whole crazy scenario about an alien pathogen being brought aboard and and finding a solution via the slime on the planet that uh from the saliva of the of the herbivore it was it was fun and it poked fun in a way but it was the kind of playful loving fun that uh that is far more palatable to me than anything that actively makes fun of Star Trek. Not that I can't have a sense of humor when it comes to something making fun of Star Trek. There's plenty of things and instances where it can be poked fun at. Um, But for a show that has the Star Trek moniker, uh, I I hope that it has a little bit of pride playing in that world. And I think that this show does. Uh, And I mean, there were just also like, I was, wasn't expecting some of the things that came up in it to come up. I didn't expect to hear Gary Mitchell's name spoken in this episode. And that was kind of fun, but um, there were also some, some other background instances that I thought were pretty interesting that were pointed out on the episodes memory alpha page. So this is the series premiere of the second half hour Star Trek series uh, in the second overall animated series, obviously. As such, this episode is the shortest premiere episode of a main Star Trek series since Beyond the Farthest Star. Uh, it is also the first entirely animated episode of a main series since the Counterclock Incident, which was the finale of TAS. This is the first Star Trek episode or film to premiere in the month of August since The 37s, episode of Voyager that premiered in 1995. And this is episode marks the first time two Star Trek series have launched within a single calendar year uh, because we got Remembrance, the first episode of Picard back in January. Uh, just uh, this is the first episode of, of um, that you that's <laughs> making me laugh. The episode featured the first use of a censored expletive in the Star Trek franchise. Uh, specifically, Dr. Tiana is bleeped when she discovers that the slime covering Ensign Boimler can be used to treat the rage virus. So uh, it, it, this is a very unique step for the franchise overall. And on the whole, I was pretty happy with how it turned out because it managed to exceed 
my admittedly relatively low expectations, but I was always going to have a built-in degree of excitement for this because it's Star Trek. Zachy, I wanted to ask you, um, obviously, a censored expletive, and uh, that was something that was continued into to the second episode as well, but still censored, you know, if it was there, but it was still censored. Um, how does this show uh, land with you in terms of your kids being able to watch it? Uh, for the most part, yeah, I, I, I watched both of the episodes with them. And, uh, you know, I guess it just shows how we've modulated expectations where it's like, oh, they 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 bleeped the F word. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know? uh, I mean, at this point, it's almost like, yeah, Star Trek has swearing in it. What are we going to do? You know, it's like, uh, yeah, sure. The you can't uh, at least when it comes to me being able to watch with them, I can't put the genie back in the bottle because they expect to watch Star Trek with me. So it's like, all right, well, uh, you know, don't uh, just because they say it on TV, don't do it for you know, you don't you don't emulate that. <laughs> You're so, not on TV. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, um, you know, it's it's funny because because I. I'm I'm pretty good about not swearing around my kids, which you know I always say like my I think the reason for that is because I swear everywhere else, and so I just by the time I'm with my kids, I've just you know I, I'm sworn out. Um, <laughs> but about a month ago, it was very funny because my wife, who's very like very you know uh, uh, buttoned down and in a nice way, you know, she's very like oh don't do that whatever like. My my third one, he just did something, and she's like, "What? What are you doing, you little shit?" <laughs> and, and I was upstairs and was having. I come downstairs, and my kids are all they're lined up like Huey, Dewey, Louie. They're like, "Mama just said, you know," and one of each of them, S H I T. I don't know why I thought of that, but quarantine's <laughs> going great. Yeah, yeah, my wife, she's God bless her, she's holding on by a thread. But but yeah, I, 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 it's just this is where we're at. Where it's like, well, at least they bleeped the profanity, so I'll yeah. take the win. How I'll take half a loaf if I can, you know. Right. <laughs> you, you know, you know what's funny for me is uh, I m- very much like like Zachy um, felt uh, it was off putting. Um, it was it was definitely off putting in Picard the amount of times that they swore uh, in in uh, used the words of curse. Uh, in in Picard, but for this series, I like if it happened here, I'd be less put off by it. Hmm. Um, and you know, and I think it's because this series is supposed to be edgy animated comedy that like those are those are my expectations for edgy animated comedy. That yeah, you know, I may get. I may get somebody calling somebody sugar honey iced tea or um you know we may get a Mickey Ficky in there or 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 something like those things may happen but I wonder why they they uh censored it was this the show that was supposed to be on MTV or was it the MTV animated show a different show I thought the MTV one was going to end up being different. As far as I know, Lower Decks was made specifically for CBSAA. Hmm. But there is – so there is a specific kid-oriented animated show that's coming to Nickelodeon too. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. They're doing a lot. Yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think the points – did you have something else you no, wanted? No, 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 man. No. I, okay. That was – yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think overall we enjoyed episode one, um, and it, it it was a pretty strong showing out of the gate. I have to say, um, overall, uh, you know, the the character work is the thing that mostly intrigues me, but it was also funny. And um, what else do you want from a comedy besides the fact that uh, that it's funny? Obviously, that's really subjective, but I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to episode two, Envoys. Uh, Boimler is assigned a mission to transport Klingon General Corin to the Federation Embassy on Tolgana Four. Mor- Mariner has herself assigned, or has herself assigned to the same mission, revealing that she's old friends with Corin. The pair drink and reminisce while Boimler flies them to the planet. After they land, a drunken Corin steals the shuttlecraft. While tracking down Corin, Boimler feels he is unprepared for fieldwork compared to Mariner and threatens to quit Starfleet. They're offered assistance from a Ferengi who Mariner believes is trustworthy, but Boimler cautions against this and is proven correct when the Ferengi pulls a knife on them. Boimler scares the Ferengi away. The pair find Corin and leave him at the embassy before returning to the Cerados. Boimler teases Mariner about the Ferengi, unaware that Marin Whoa. <laughs> unaware that Mariner had staged the incident. Meanwhile, Rutherford transfers from engineering to other divisions, hoping to have more time to spend with Tendi. He decides that engineering is where he wants to be, and she chooses to spend time with him while he works. So this one, uh, I think I liked it more than the first episode because it really does sort of get to the point of uh, conceivably what the mission of the show is and showing a broader segment of what life is like aboard a starship and the less than flattering or uh, uh, I guess merit worthy things that Starfleet crews have to do on a regular basis. But we also got to meet more of the senior staff and, uh, I got to say, I love this show's chief security officer, the old grizzled Bajoran. Right. Uh, but also- the old too, bears. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, I love how it played with the idea of the chief engineer and the chief of security looking like they're going to get mad at, uh, at Rutherford before they're just like, yeah, be true to yourself. Woo. <laughs> and that's also a very like Star Trek ish kind of a thing. So I think I like the second episode better. What about you, Rachel? Uh, yeah, I think I liked it the same, but I think I, I like the first one more than you, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I also really like, like that playing with that trope of the disappointment. And what? The- <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> um, and I, I really like the Ferengi at the end, the reveal of the Ferengi at the end being like friends and he has like a monocle on yeah. like. <laughs> well, and just the caricature of almost a season two TNG Ferengi, right? Well, yeah, but that's like, yeah, right. Like I thought that they were going with that because that's what they were like right, yeah. in TNG, but Look, yeah. he's rubbing his hands together. He's doing the Ferengi. <laughs> he's doing the Ferengi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I felt it was very, it's very rewarding if you've seen all of Star Trek, right? Yeah, because right. you know, like, that's how the Ferengi were. And then, but, you know, by the end of DS9, obviously, like, you, you've learned so much more about them mm-hmm. and they're much more uh, fully fleshed out characters. So um, yeah. I think that's a key point too, though, is that this show really does reward the people that have stuck with the franchise. Yeah. Right? That's where yeah. it seems like, at least for me, a fair amount of the humor comes from. 
Yes, exactly. There's like little little Easter eggs for mm-hmm. people who know, and I I really appreciate that. Yeah, and yeah, and if you're happy with it, like I feel like you have, you don't have a lot of tolerance for silliness with the things you really like, and Star Trek is one of those things. And so, like, well, if you're happy to, with it. To like, be fair. To be, to be fair, fair. you don't fair. joke about. You can't joke about. I can't joke about Star Trek or Batman. <laughs> I lightened up considerably over the last like six or seven years on the '66 Batman show. Right when I was a teenager, it was the worst thing ever, and now I. Oh yes, yes, you'll be. Able yes, to- yeah, Daddy was wrong. Yeah, Daddy was, uh-huh. wrong. <laughs> and Daddy's happy to say he was wrong. Like that's, I, I have no qualms saying I was wrong about that. Uh, Zachy, episode two. How did it strike you? Uh, lots of genuine laughs for me. I, I really, uh, I loved the 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 Shamaharan thing, <laughs> which, which I mean, that's one of those things where I, I was thinking about it. I was like, like you were saying, like it. If you know it, if you've seen Captain's Holiday, and and you know, you you get the reference. Um, but the, there's enough there where you can get it if you if you this is your first time being exposed to this, you know? And I think that's really the balancing act. And that's what this show I think will excel at. I mean, I, it will potentially be a great gateway into the other parts of the franchise for people who are, who were brought over by virtue of Rick and Morty or, or even, you know, like, uh, you know, watching with my kids, like my, my, my younger, my two younger kids aren't big Star Trek fans, but they're enjoying watching lower decks. And, and you know maybe it's like borderline whether they should be watching it but again genie's out of the bottle so um <laughs> but i can see it being a thing where where by virtue of this giving them a, a, a the lay of the land so to speak it'll it'll be that that thing that allows them to then get into you know whatever next generation or whatever it is yeah yeah most definitely i think that and really i mean let me let me ask you this, Zachy. Are you more comfortable with your kids watching Lower Decks or Discovery? Um. Well, I mean, so so my my two older ones they're thirteen and eleven, so I'm fine with them watching the modern shows because they're they've just grown grown up with it. You know, the younger ones, I I probably wouldn't be, but to be honest, they're not super. You know, my younger two boys, they're nine and whatever however old the, the younger one is you, you guys don't know this you you lose track after a while you guys you got the one the focus of all your attention um i think he's six something he's yeah, like yeah. between, he's between four and 12 i don't know somewhere right. but uh they don't they don't have like a huge amount of interest in it so it's different you know that my my older two are like uh, trekkies so it's they're fully like this modern era is very much, I mean, they, they'd already seen next generation, whatever, but like when they met, you know, Anson Mount, like a year ago, that was a big deal for them. Cause they knew Captain sure. Pike, you know? Um, so it's, I feel honestly, I feel like language notwithstanding, there's nothing in the modern shows that is that anathema to what I feel very comfortable calling Star Trek, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. So the morality and everything is that's that's more important to me, and and I'm I'm fully on board with them watching it for that. Excellent, Cicero. Episode two. 
Um, you know, so the thing that I really enjoyed about it was the establishment of the of the characters, um, getting getting to know the characters a little bit better, um, kind of understanding what the archetypes are, are going to be there. Uh, so uh, that was that was cool. Uh, what I just just discovered was that there are going to be twenty two episodes of this of this series uh, between uh, chapters one and two. I, I'm I'm not sure if it's eleven and eleven or if it's ten chapter one or season one and then twelve chapter two season two, um, but but they've already they've already got twenty two stories written out, which is which is pretty uh, remarkable, I think. Um, I I also really enjoyed. Uh, oh man, I'm you know I, these characters haven't stuck with me yet, but uh, Rutherford's. The you know Rutherford going off and trying mm-hmm. to figure out um, yeah. how he you know where he can find a new passion because he's he's also discovering that this that one of his passions is this new Encintendi and he wants to be able to spend more time with her and and you know how he feels like he's betraying himself and he's going to let somebody down especially the the with the engineer commander was <laughs> was laying it on so thick about how great he is and what he you know he wouldn't be able to he wouldn't even know how to operate his job would be so much harder without Rutherford there and then Rutherford still goes through with it and says that he's got to leave and he's he's waiting for the hammer to drop and it's you know it's a party. Not only is it a party from the commander, but it's a party from all of his contemporaries uh, that are, are that are celebrating him and chanting his name. And everywhere he went, that was that was exactly what happened. And you know, only for him to realize that you know, listen, I've got to be able to to I can I can I can marry the two of them. Uh, you know, my passion for engineering and getting my hands dirty, and and my passion for getting to know this person. Uh, a little bit more, even though I'm kind of nervous about it. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I again, the the thing that I keep going back to, at least for me, is just how how Star Trekky this this goofy, dumb, animated uh, Rick and Morty style show is. Um, you know, when they, when, you know, like the, the, the Klingon is, is, is hung over and puking blood up in, in the, in the shuttlecraft, which was the shuttlecraft. I don't know if you guys realize this was, was the shuttlecraft Yosemite. Um, you know, some people, <laughs> some people call it Yosemite, but you know, those people don't know <laughs> the Yosemite. Yes. Um, and, and, and then he steals it. As soon as they get out, like, and, and, uh, Mariner's like, oh yeah, that's just how he is. You know, he's done this before. And they go through this very like comedic version of an away mission, a TNG style away mission where they wind up in a bazaar, you know, they're in some goofy bazaar and the color tones are really weird. And they meet all of these goofy aliens that, that. Um, you know, in, in, in the TNG episode where they play it straight, things would happen and there may be a misunderstanding of some, some sort, but these guys played it for laughs and it was just laughs the entire way through. And it was awesome. Um, like I, I really appreciate that they're, they're really subverting the expectations, but while still keeping you deeply ensconced in, in the Star Trek universe. 
Yeah, very well said. And I, I feel like the, the second episode accomplishes that component of the equation here just a little bit more efficiently than the first one did. But um, it's it, overall, the entire thing was enjoyable. And I think that that's the that's the best thing to take away from from the entire proceeding. Um, I did. I did laugh really hard. Sorry, Chris. I did laugh yeah. really hard in the opening of the episode where like, because it's like, you guys may forget this because it like, it, it didn't pay off at all, but mm-hmm. the beginning of the episode, there's this, uh, uh, bulbous, uh, yeah, energy right. being that comes in and is going to destroy everything. And they're like, they're going to put them in, you know, they're going to put them in a containment field and he winds up bargaining with Mariner. She asked for one of the new, uh, new tricorders with the purple stripe and then <laughs> then she needs a power cell for it and it winds up like making this guy powerless basically um and he you know then he zaps into her mother yeah and then and that was the end of it now you know maybe we'll see a payoff for that later we, on in a, in a, as far you know, as we know right as far as we know yeah right exactly so yeah but that was that was really cool that was very very funny to me yeah, and um, Trek Movie actually put out a compilation of a lot of the Easter eggs that were in the show. So Little Risa on Tolgana 4, where the big Horgon water fountain was, uh, was pretty great. And um, the the Anabaj that was flirting with Boimler that turned into a, a monster was, was awesome. Uh, the Janeway Protocol yes, made an appearance <laughs> in uh, an episode of Voyager called Parallax, and that was the the seed of a pretty funny joke while uh rutherford is trying to take the command test that uh, probably this is the same command test that deanna troy took under the tutelage of commander Riker, um but she passed and <laughs> and uh mariner exhibited some forms of kirk foo when she was in the bar fight which uh, right. which was great she said kirk hands <laughs> and then yeah the, uh, the the energy being that they encountered the the subhead on the trek movie article is says payback for the child right when when deanna uh becomes impregnated without her consent and the the baby wasn't that the episode where the kid like hurts himself just to know yeah yeah what it what it feels like to be hurt and um the enterprise got a mention when the uh, right after Rutherford was finished with the EPS conduits, that there's Enterprise Envy aboard the Cerados, and Boimler made uh, an interesting uh, uh, joke about speed walking when he said it's to conserve energy. Section thirty one does it right, <laughs> and uh, and I thought that was pretty that was pretty great. Um, so yeah, overall. I I really enjoyed this one, and uh, I hope that what we get in the future is kind of on the the same wavelength as the second episode. But that's not to say that I didn't enjoy both of them. I came out of of both episodes of Lower Decks having a, a really good time. So let's just jump into final thoughts before we dismiss this time. Um, Rachel, why don't you start us off? Um. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch more. It's a bright spot in my life. It's a bright spot in your life. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm really happy, and I'm really happy there's going to be 22 episodes. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, plenty, plenty more to come. Yeah. That's for sure. That's all I have to say, <laughs> Cicero. How about you? Final thoughts on these first two episodes of Lower Decks, and what are you uh, what are you looking forward to from it? 
yeah, they they brought me into the fold um, rather quickly. Uh, I am I am definitely looking forward to uh, more episodes and kind of seeing where the story goes. Uh, I am I'm so impressed with how Star Trek it is, um, and, and yeah, and I just like I I, I hope that that continues. I think that it will. Uh, Ezra agrees. Yes, and um, yeah, I, I like it. It's it's a it is a really good show for Star Trek fans who um have to understand that every Star Trek doesn't you know everything that has Star Trek in its name doesn't have to be tonally one thing uh and uh and you know and this bizarre version of star trek is a thing that exists and is very very much star trek i i would be interested in and if there is someone if there is someone out there that is listening to the sound of my voice that has watched lower decks but has not engaged with the franchise in any way outside of lower decks please uh, contact us at DSC Debrief on Twitter or uh, myself at uh, Stubby Stan because I want to know what this show is like for you. Sure. Yeah, like I don't know if like does the show hit for non-Star Trek fans? That's a good question. I mean, um, why would you watch it if you weren't a Star Trek? I mean, you know, like it. Are the funny things that are funny to us funny to people that don't? know the inside jokes like are is it ridiculous funny enough for people that have no understanding of the franchise yeah they just like animated stuff they love rick and marty or rick and morty i I think that would be a good question because i feel like there are things that are conceivably universally like the joke about the klingon names right right you you i don't think you would necessarily have to be an embedded star trek fan to note that there's a little bit of ridiculous uniformity in the way that alien names are usually formatted but who knows i mean i just explained a joke which is like the least funny way to position a joke (laughs) Um, but no i think that that would be an interesting question and i'll be curious to see if you get any replies on that uh zachy how about you final thoughts on the first two episodes of lower decks we're off to a solid start i'm glad that there's a lot more to come you know yeah yeah most definitely well um you know and i think that that kind of gets back to uh the core conceit that we were all talking about before about just how much star trek there is right now because if they made a star trek animated series just for embedded fans then conceivably that's a justifiable investment on its own which should say something about the popularity of star trek right now not just what it has been but what it is in this moment and uh i'll be interested to see how it connects with people going forward uh so that should i think that's going to do it this time for episode number 53 of discovery debrief we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please like and follow us on our social media channels and if you'd be so kind we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show on itunes or facebook 
It only takes a minute and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, or you can also find all of our individual Twitter handles. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter, our Facebook like page, or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes and be sure to join us next time. We're going to take uh, next week off before we get together. So the next time we get together, we will discuss episodes three and four of Star Trek Lower Decks. But as always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. Mm -hmm.